we try we try to give agents realistic examples and information as opposed to sort of scripts and dialogue things because we feel a little uncomfortable teaching them to say well every market's great this is a great market it's great for buyer you know, that crap so we try to give them honest information and teach them to be counselors not salespeople and there are times when they're going to counsel a client buyer or seller not to sell right now and and they shouldn't be afraid to do that that's what they hire us for is to be counselors so so we focus on that type of education and training is how to be that's why we that's why we create our research group and to do that so we can give them information welcome to the real trending podcast where your host tracy felt editorial director of real trends interviews the brightest minds in real estate each week brokerage leaders top agents team leaders and industry experts join tracy to share their trends their secrets to success and the lessons they've learned navigating this ever-changing industry Hi, everyone. This is Mark Adams with Real Trends. Real Trends is currently accepting applications for the 2023 Real Trends and Tom Ferry agent and team rankings. If you're an agent with over 50 transaction sides or 16 million in volume, or a team with over 60 transaction sides or $24 million in volume in calendar year 2022, we want to feature you in the industry's trusted rankings program. Real Trends has partnered with the majority of the largest brands in the country to receive nominations automatically. However, we recommend that you check with your broker to understand if they will be submitting your data or if you will be required to submit your data to realtrends.com. Submissions close on April 14th, so don't miss out on the chance to be featured in this year's rankings program. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where we speak to the brightest minds in real estate about leadership, business growth, trends, and strategy. I'm your host, Tracy Velt. Senior Director of Data and Content for Housing Wire and Real Trends. Today, I'd like to welcome Dan Elsie, President of Real Estate One Family of Companies in Michigan. Dan leads the company along with his brother, Stuart. Um, Real Estate One was founded by his grandfather in 1929, and the company has grown to number 20 by transaction sides in the 2022 Real Trends 500 brokerage rankings. Uh, the 2023 brokerage rankings will be out in March. So, welcome, Dan. Great to be on. Thanks, Tracy. Yeah, thanks so much for for joining the podcast. Um, we're just going to get right into it. Uh, obviously, you know the real estate market's evolving, and I feel like the the pace of change is faster than ever. Um, so, talk to me a little bit about how you're preparing your brokerage for tomorrow. I think probably um, we've been through a lot of tomorrows over the years in our fourth generation of tomorrows. So you get sort of a cadence, uh, not that, that I'm 90 years old or Stuart's 90 years old, but we get to a cadence of, of what uh, what to do. And I think so you, you learn what's worked over the years and probably a lot of things are our, um, our structures of being very flexible is probably what's kept us going. Most of our competitors, obviously, where the started that my grandfather started ninety years ago, aren't here anymore. Most that that were in the business when my brother and I started aren't here anymore. So I think that flexibility, that willingness to uh, to experiment. Um, uh, you know, when you get together with a lot of brokers, usually the, some conversation comes up where they're complaining about the new competitors, the new disruption, and how how evil and those guys won't work. Uh, we tend to look at it the other way saying, well, what, uh, what ideas, what things are coming, what new models are out there that might help us and let us evolve. So, 
So we're, you know, we're, we obviously look very different than we did 90 years ago. We look very different than we did 10 years ago. So, so we probably always have at least three or four experiments going on, whether it's agent compensation, whether it's services to consumer, something that we've always got different brands, different um, products going. So going forward, that's, we'll continue to do that. Um, I think there'll be a lot of consolidation going forward. Um, there would have been years back with the margin consolidation in the brokerage world, brokers having less, there should have been a lot more consolidation, but the, the last 15 years of good real estate have sort of masked that. You could be inefficient and still kind of be okay. Uh, now that the world has changed and we're in for probably you know, two or three years of, of slow growth off of peak, the, the realization will come and you, you know, if you've got an office of 30 salespeople, 5,000 square feet, and your margins are 85% payout, you're going to have to do something and, and you're not big enough to have title and mortgage. So, um, so, so that's an opportunity for us and for, um, I think a lot of the regional players that are growing in the marketplace, whether they're within the brand or independent. Yeah, I know Steve Murray has always said, you, you know, pick your lane. Either you're going to be a, a small boutique brokerage or you're going to be big. But the people in the middle are the ones who are really going to struggle the most. So um, and being flexible, it's really interesting. I love the approach that you take because it's true. I hear all the time about um, my challenges competing with all of these new models. And um, I always take the approach that competition is good. It, it forces you to be better. It forces you to innovate. And there's room for everyone in the market as well. So um, so I love that. Um, definitely. Yeah, it can be painful sometimes when, you, when you're learning a competition. And particularly when you have an existing brokerage, an existing model, it, it always feels like you're trying to, to change oil while you're driving down the, the freeway. It's, it's hard to make those changes. But, but I think we've, we've always taken the approach that... Um, that you have to be, you have to be willing to throw out your existing business model. You have to be willing to do that, and that's hard to do. Have the guts to do that, but also the wisdom to know when to do it and how. But it's that willingness to do it that's hard to do. That's you know, that's why the I'm from Detroit. That's why the the auto companies struggled for so long. They weren't willing to get out of their box, and that's why a lot of the franchises, the traditional franchises, now you see struggling. Because they're for, for finding ways to grow because hard, it's once you've built a box and that box was successful years ago, it's, it's hard to get yourself out of it. And, and we try to avoid building boxes too much. So we, we operate under four or five different brands and at least as many different business models. So Yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. Um, and I, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the market because the shift seemed to come just so suddenly overnight. Um, a lot of brokerage leaders kind of look at this as an opportunity to gain market share, um, with local M&A and walkovers and that. Um, in fact, I was talking to several brokers at NAR who were like, oh yeah, we're, we're looking for those small, um, producing brokers who have like a small team and they're going to, they're struggling right now and they're going to walk over, um, so how is Real Estate One kind of taking advantage of this opportunity in this market? Uh, we're doing the same thing. It's, it's, uh, we, we teach our salespeople to pick up the phone and call their sphere and call their friends and, and find business. And uh, so I'm doing the same thing. You know, as a company, we're reaching out to the brokers that we know and seeing how they're doing. And, and just like last year in that change year, we still had half of our realtors do better 
than the year before and have not. And I think that's true with brokers as well. So as my conversations with my fellow brokers, a half are doing the same or better and, and half not. So we're, we're just reaching out and asking and, and, uh, and we'll probably have, we had four mergers last year. We'll probably, we might do four to five or six this year as well, maybe more. And, and you have those walkovers. We had, we're having a number of, um, of individual agents joining us, experienced agents. I think we had three or four $10 million agents join us last week. So, um, so that's changing, but that's, that's, uh, that was the case of a couple of brokers that were, um, that were folding. So, uh, I don't know that you see a lot of that, but, um, but we might, because even though this year is going to be a really good real estate year, it'll, you know, equate to 2014, 15, it's still a big drop from peak. And if you set your expenses and your margins, again, you, we, we went through a lot of years of, of where the great sales hit poor margins. So uh, I said most, most of our growth in the, historically has come in markets like this, where it's uh, where we've had agents that join us from competitors. They're looking for a broker that they're confident will survive the change uh, or, uh, or at least have support for their growing their business. So, so traditionally, that's been the case. We expect that probably be the case here, too. Yeah, I feel like a lot of um, brokerage firms in, and even the national franchises especially have, have um, slashed operating costs and, you know, did, did massive layoffs earlier than maybe in previous years, um, especially the lessons learned from the Great Recession um, have stuck we're... with a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yes. so taking very early action. Um, what are, you know, kind of some of your lessons learned or best practices, um, you know, that you could share for other brokers who are looking to expand right now? Well, I think in this market, you mentioned the reduction. Certainly, there's that part of it as well. And, and it's whether it's a broker or an individual realtor, you have to look at, at being as efficient as you can. And certainly, over the last three years prior to mid-year last year, we were all guilty of uh, running a lot of, I mentioned experiments, running a lot of experiments and trying a lot of things that we can drop so, so that's that's step step one, and then and that's the that's the low hanging fruit. The the next piece, which this year most brokers will go through, are the hard decisions, and that is, if you're doing twenty five percent fewer transactions, then you probably have more staff than you need, and and those decisions are really hard and difficult, and and that will happen. You say the publicly traded companies were you know sort of did that early. The advantage that a lot of us that are not, that are private, we can hold longer. And we tend to do that just because we don't have that Wall Street pressure. So, And we also have learned a lesson that we learned prior, particularly in the pandemic shutdown, but even before, is that you can cut too much and because the market will recover and you can be uh, caught without having the talent. So we try to be as creative as we can on how we can shift and use people in different ways and not have to do that. On the, uh, on the growth side, you don't, you don't save your way out of a recession. You grow your way out of a recession. Saving only gets you so far. But on the growth side, we focus on, uh, we've been focusing on heavy on education with our salespeople. Um, we do a thing called Team at Two, which is uh, an event um, about every other Tuesday where we bring in speakers. We do our own stuff, panels. It's, it's, a, it's a virtual 
conversation. We started that back in the in the pandemic days and continued it. So that's just a way of continually provide information education to our salespeople on how to react to the market. We have a we have a research department. We have we have a like a stock brokerage where they create market reports information, can do custom reports for agents. So we drive as much information and communicate that to our salespeople. And that seems to make a difference in making sure they understand the market, have co- can give good conversations with our clients, and, and more than anything else, give them confidence uh, when they're talking to clients. So, so that's, that's been, uh, uh, been a big piece of uh, in being creative on our um, leveraging our platform for our affiliates, how we can use them to help create transactions for our salespeople so that we can be creative in that piece too. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I've really noticed a, a renewed effort to boost um, agent productivity, especially right now, and really giving agents the dialogue to to talk to um, buyers and sellers about the market, kind of get them off the fence and um, understand, you know, what what's really going on right now. Um, and I've noticed like just a, a desperate need for that dialogue for what, what do I say? How do I handle this situation? Um, how do I talk about interest rates? Um, you know, and, and help these people to under, you know, understand the market and then make the decision, um, that, that is best for, for them, for the buyers and sellers. So, um, I think the training is really important. It is. We, we try, we try to give them realistic examples and information as opposed to sort of scripts and dialogue things, because, you, you, our salespeople feel a little comfortable, and we feel a little uncomfortable teaching them to say, "Well, every market's great. This is a great market. It's great for buyer. You're not that crap." So we try to give them honest information and teach them to be counselors, not salespeople. And there are times when they're going to counsel a client, buyer, seller, not to sell right now, and and they should be shouldn't be afraid to do that and just give that's what they hire us for is to be counselors so so we focus on that type of education and training is how to be that's why we that's why we create our research group and to do that so we can give them information so they can do what they're hired to do yeah and i mean really that creates trust and then it creates business down down the road because if you're working with someone who you know okay well they're not just trying to get me to sell they're not just trying to force me out of my home or into a home or, you know, they're, they're giving me the facts and and helping me guide me to that decision. Um, because obviously real estate is all about relationships. Um, you know, the agent consumer relationship, the brokerage agent relationship. Um, and so right now just building those relationships, um, and, you know, with your sphere and, and building your sphere is really important. So you, um, your company, obviously, uh, you know, you run the gamut on services that you offer, affiliated services, um, mortgage, title, relocation, property management. Um, what are some of the things? It's so difficult to um, get high capture rates. Maybe titles a little easier than than the others, but um, what are some of the things that you're doing to really boost your capture rates and educate agents on what's available? Um, you know, so, so they know what, what you have. Yeah. Well, we've, we've had, we've been doing it for a lot of years. So we have, we have a book on what not to do. We read a long book on that, very thick and, and, and a list of what to do too, that works. So, so rather than focus too much on the not to do is the to do's piece that we have done is, is 
we, um, we, we are relatively decentralized and we have loan officers in most all branches. We have title people in the branches as well and insurance. So, so we have a local touch for our salespeople. Um, and uh, we also tend to hire experienced people. So a loan officer that's experienced comes with a book of business, uh, title people the same way, insurance. So, so they come with that credibility and that helps in the capture rates as well. Uh, little things like um, make sure we have fast turn and all. But, but probably one thing that helped a lot over the last five years is we've been very focused on surveys and NPS scoring and doing it internally and with our clients and really driving hard with that. And I think that's made a, the last few years one of the things that made the biggest difference because then we're able to, to, to really drill down to individual employees and, and individual actions and really drive that service piece. So that's been a big help. Um, the other is is just leveraging it. We, we and it sort of follows along that experiment side of things. We've been doing, still are doing iBuying, power buying. So we combine the iBuyer, power buyer, bridge loan packaging together so that our salespeople can move those sellers to buyers that unstick the market. And, uh, uh, and it's still, even, even though our iBuyer product is, is a little different setup for margins than it was two years ago. It still is generating business and sales and still creating business and, again, still giving our, our realtors a consultative conversational point about here's an option for you. 90% of the time, they don't take it, but, but we're able to have that conversation with them. And, and, and that's just leveraging that platform. So that's, I think that's helped a lot, particularly on the mortgage side uh, in, uh, in drawing our clients to us that come to us. Uh, right up front to get that information. So what, um, what about expanding? Have you, is there a, um, in this market, are you looking to expand any of the services that you offer? Or I've, I've noticed that consumers um, want more and that um, brokers are now kind of seeing that while they're agent centric, they have to be consumer focused heavily as well. Um, talk to me a little bit about that trend and what you're seeing out there and if you're um, adjusting any of your services for that very reason. Um, we are. And, and yes, you're right. We, the, the, the consumer piece is where the world is headed. It was broker centric and then agent centric and now it's concerned. And it's just, that's just a flow of information. That's how information is gone. <coughs> so that's, um, that's inevitable. So you do have to have, you have to sort of package it. And that's, that's really the reason that we have our affiliated pieces, all those pieces is, is to be able to, to package that together. So we do it a lot of simple ways. We'll, we'll do, um, if an agent, if a consumer uses our package of services, title, mortgage, insurance, all those pieces, then we provide them a benefit, lower cost. Um, just basically, it's a it's a reward. Thank you, but but we're able to package that at a lower cost, and we think that that will be in the future a significant thing is being able to bundle at a lower cost, uh, and we have some scale to be able to do that as well. Um, we're you know, we've we were now other states are maybe a little further ahead than Michigan, but. And then we were the first to actually do a true uh, mortgage remote closing with no paper, no ink. Um, so we're pushing that piece. Um, we, we do um, ACH transfers, transfers automatically between the client and our escrows. 
So our salespeople don't handle escrow um, checks, EMDs, all of those things. It's done more efficiently. Uh, our transaction platform talks to our title platform, talks to our mortgage platform. So those are the pieces that um, right now provide us more efficiency in the transaction management. I think over time will actually provide lower cost to the consumer as we as we put those become yeah. better at that process. So. And now have you built, an, it, I, and I don't know this, I should know this, but do you have an in-house tech um, platform that you built or are you working with outside vendors? It's, it's a, a little bit of both. Okay. Uh, our core platform is, is uh, a vendor um, and our, um, uh, and, but we have our own pieces that we've plugged into it. So it's a little bit of both, but uh, we use ZipTMS for a transaction platform. We have a vendor for our um, uh, websites and our CRM and all that piece. And then, then we have the title pieces as well. So it's, it's mainly vendored out. And we, what we do internally is we knit the pieces together. That's the piece that we add from our IT crew. Okay. And what about property management? I know that a lot of brokers are really focused on property management right now because it's one of those kind of um, recession-proof businesses in a way. Um, a lot of headache sometimes, but uh, so talk to me a little bit about that. Are you expanding those portfolios or? Um, we, uh, we have been, yes. Our property management piece has been expanding and, uh, and doing well. Um, I'm not sure how many doors we have now, but, um, but we, it's split between, since we have an operation in Northern Michigan that's resort, it's split between that the weekly resort, the VBRO and uh, Airbnb business, and then the traditional. And then we have a big piece in Ann Arbor, which is where the University of Michigan is, where we manage the comings and goings of the professors and the doctors and their homes and things. So, so it's a very diverse group, but it has been growing, um, and uh, uh, and it it does seem to have be that alternative cash flow. It isn't huge, but. Um, uh, we have noticed that the uh, that we're an opportunity for our salespeople is that the uh, the the weekly rentals, the uh, Airbnbs and VBROs are uh, getting squeezed a little bit. Um, we have a lot more individual investors who have purchased those. They're individual people, not not corporations and not large buyers, and they're suddenly seeing their uh, their occupancy drop rather dramatically. So uh, so we. So we, that's an opportunity for us. We're managing those, those properties for them, and many of them are deciding to sell. Okay. So it's a, it's a source of business for us. Success might look different this year, but it's out there for those willing to work for it. That's why 2023's Gathering of Eagles will focus on forging opportunities, the perfect chance for industry leaders to take a proactive approach to continually move the needle in their businesses and the real estate industry at large. Gathering of Eagles will bring together the nation's top residential real estate CEOs, presidents, and C-level leadership teams to grow, network, and set the pace for what's next in our industry. 2023's GOE is at Omni Barton Creek Resort in the rolling hill country of Austin, Texas from June 18th until the 21st. Learn more and register your spot on the events page at realtrends.com, and we can't wait to see you in Austin. Um, what are some overall trends that you're seeing in the real estate industry in general um, that, you know, concerns, challenges, opportunities, 
Sorry, I'm throwing this one a curveball. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of conversations, of, uh, little trends about whether the the um, uh, the fee structure will change dramatically for realtors with the lawsuits, whether there'll be employees and all those things. Uh, those none of those worry too much us too much because our industry is amazingly flexible uh, and it shifts uh, pretty well. Uh, so we don't see we think the industry will shift accordingly. The core issue of consumers needing a professional to help facilitate a transaction um, won't change. The, the way that realtors provide that service, how they provide it, and to what degree they provide it will change. That'll evolve. It's evolved for the last hundred years. It'll evolve dramatically over the next few years. But but the need for us in that transaction won't. So so we'll adjust to that. So I think, as we talked earlier, there'll be some consolidation because we haven't yet adjusted to the new margins for how salespeople do business. And uh, and I think that brokers will need to provide, they'll be, as Steve had said, they'll be either sort of a broad-based brokerage or a very a limited boutique piece. Um, the boutique pieces will tend to be at the higher end. They have to for average sale price to support that product. The broad base will be broad base, but it'll and and we'll be doing it. We'll, whether we'll, we'll probably be providing a transaction fee type service, a split service, uh, a full service, a do it yourself for consumers. Um, we'll be adding the the financing pieces to it, whether it's. Um, some combination of what we've been experimenting with, with bridge loan, iBuyer, power buyer, all those pieces. So if you're able to provide all of those choices, then you'll have that palette. Uh, because consumers, we all have unlimited choices now. The technology has afforded that. And that's new to our industry, to have realtors have choices um, between models that they can use and consumers have choices. So you either pick your lane of one of those choices or you provide a palette. And, and we're we're providing that palette. We have that footprint to do that. So yeah, yeah. Um, my second last question, really. But uh, you know, the housing market is is way different than last year. A lot of real estate agents are uncertain. So, what advice do you have for for agents to kind of um, reach that mindset of growth and opportunity, and, and instead of um, that anxious worry that about the next transaction. Well, sometimes anxious worry is the fuel that causes action. So I'm not necessarily sure that's a bad thing. Even our top agents always say at the beginning of January, they're worried they're ever going to have another sale. And they did a, you know, 200 million last year and they still have that fear. So that's a healthy thing, I think. But but channeling that to a positive way, I, I think that there isn't there probably isn't anything that is new and earth shattering and different and advice now and before you, you need to stay very close to your sphere. That's what most of our salespeople and even across the country, they live and die by the people they know. Uh, and the thing to keep in mind is subtle, but I got to remember that thousands, tens of hundreds of thousands of buyers and they're also sellers. Most of them as buyers are pulled and sat on the fence because of what happened the last year market prices and, and interest rates. And you have to make sure you don't forget about them. Stay very close to them. Uh, it may take them two or three years to get back in the market, but they will. So the good news about the contraction that we've gone through is we didn't lose any buyers or sellers in this 25, 30% drop. They're just on the fence. So that advice is stay very close to them and also get very, very good. We didn't... <laughs> 
most realtors didn't become a realtor because they enjoyed math. But you, <laughs> but this is one time where math makes a difference. You have to get in and understand the statistics, understand the market, give your agents that information, whether you create it yourself or buy it, uh, keeping current matters and those types of things. Inman and others, you guys provide great stuff, uh, Altos. And so um, uh, get that information out to your clients and uh, and the biggest thing, particularly for realtors that haven't dipped their toes into how to communicate in today's world, that's advice is if you're not in some form communicating either through, uh, as we're doing here, through video, through even basic texting and email and, and uh, Instagram and all of those pieces, the conversational piece online, uh, if you're still relying on uh, mail and and others, uh, snail mail, then you have to make that shift. Uh, and that's not new advice, but and none of it's new. It's just that the, the urgency to act is the biggest difference now. Uh, those that, that take the time, they, they have more time. You have 20% more time, the sales are off. So invest that in, in relationships and it'll come back to you. Yeah, great advice. Um, my last question is just what's next for Real Estate One? What can we look for in the next year? The next year, um, I, I think as, as we've been talking all along, we'll, we'll look for for opportunities for growth for uh, for uh, either acquisitions or um, bring. We we do bring a lot of new people in the business. We've got the largest school in the state, so we bring in you know two or three hundred agents a year in our organization through that. So we'll, we're ramping that up more and more to be more online and more virtual to, to, to take a bigger piece of that pie. But there'll be those acquisitions and all. But I think I think long term for us, I mean, we're going in our fourth generation. Mm -hmm. So and I would say that we, you know, I, you can say that we had gr a great strategic plan back in 1929 of my grandfather going forward. Yeah. It really, more than anything else, luckily, uh, our father, his son came into play because because he would have screwed things up if there was another generation to save him, because that's what happens. And and my father would have screwed things up if my brother and I had come along. And, and Stuart and I are just thankful our kids are there because we're going to screw things up if they don't come along and save us. Because uh, that's and, and that's if, if we you know, everyone's got their advantage, you know, the, what makes them different, what's their competitive advantage. And, and for us, uh, it's, it's that ability to shift and go generate and have each generation change the company to what needs to be. And, uh, and that's, you know, we're 90 years old, but, but in reality, we're probably the, one of the youngest brokers in our market because we're in our fourth generation, they see the world differently and, uh, and driving change. So, so that's, that's more longer than next year, but, but that's yeah. get that in place now as it, as we grow forward. You know, it's funny. I just talked to OB Jacoby at Windermere about this very thing yeah. as because he's got nieces and nephews now entering the business and, and kids entering the business and that. Um, and, you know, he said the same thing. We were joking. It's like succession, you know, the, the show successions. <laughs> he said, Maybe not that we're bad. Not quite, but <laughs> not quite that cutthroat. We don't have the private no. jets either. <laughs> no, exactly. No helicopters and, and, <laughs> And oh. DJs, yes, they say, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, well, Dan, thanks so much for joining the Real Trending Podcast. We really appreciate your insights on the industry. Wonderful. Thanks. Appreciate it. 
Thank you for listening to Real Trending. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you'd take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. And we will see you next week with more news and insights.